Happy Valentine's Day, you love birds, you baseball lovers. You're all our Valentine's. Jack Peter, just baseball show uh, on Tuesday, February 14th. We're going to talk Christian Javier extension off the top. It was absolutely excellent. A pre-arm deal from a guy that has Alex Anthopolisian roots, which was awesome. Uh, so the Astros lock up their guy. Peter has to grill me on something. And then we're going to bring Clay Snowden on, who's one of our uh, hosts of our new Just Fantasy Baseball podcast, um, to talk about the best hitters in fantasy baseball and how to go about your draft and your waiver wire. I think there's another word for it. Streamer, right? Yeah, streamers, waiver wires. Um, I would like to call myself a decent fantasy baseball player. But ever since, you know, the gambling stuff and following along during the MLB season and then getting deep in the weeds in college baseball, which I've really been enjoying. Fantasy baseball somewhat takes a back seat for me. Um, so I'm excited to kind of pick Clay's brain and get kind of a a quick uh what are the what are those called? It's like uh it's like a cheat sheet. Is that that's a good way to call it. I guess. Yeah, but like it it's almost a primer on on how to yeah. go about yeah, a primer on how to go about your fantasy baseball draft and like in season stuff. I'm with you on college baseball. We're gonna have some college baseball content coming this week because opening day is on Friday, right? In college baseball. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'm gonna miss a single start from Chase Dolander this year at Tennessee. That guy's a freak of all freaks. He's mid to high nineties with a fastball plus breaking stuff he's got a three four pitch mix um that like that guy and Messick at florida state last year i was just locked in on when i could watch them throw and i'm really excited for another another year watching dolander yeah paul skeens came over from air force he's pitching lsc this year well, throws a hundred yeah, yeah two-way player Rhett Louder. I think Wake Force is going to win it all, but we're going to have plenty of college baseball content coming. But something I wanted to talk to you about before we get into Christian Javier, because I assume you're going to grill me slightly, make fun of me for my Christian Javier past takes, which I think is fair, warranted, not sure, because he's not a Hall of Famer yet, but I'll sit here and take some of the criticism. So first, I want to wish you happy birthday. Um, But, you know, you got a lot of attention. And... As Jack McMullen likes to say, he doesn't really like to celebrate himself. And which is, I understand that. I feel sometimes feel the same way. I'm not a huge birthday guy. So I decided to bring you down a peg. That's fine. So you're up here, and I wanted to bring you down here. So I went through yesterday's baseball podcast, the Just Baseball Show, with you and Arm when you graded out the NL West. And I thought, well, let me find some things that I could criticize Jack for. You could call it constructive. Yeah. But constructive criticism implies that I'm trying to help you. No, I screwed up. Yeah. 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 If I screwed up, I want to hear it. So it's just straight up criticism. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. So you said Harar Encarnacion has otherworldly pop. 
No, he doesn't. <laughs> you know who has otherworldly pop? O'Neal. Aaron Judge does. Odile Cruz does. Ferrara <laughs> Carnacio does not have otherworldly pop. And this is coming from <laughs> the king of hyperbole. He, uh, what, are you, what are you saying? It's called elaboration, Chief. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, he hit 22 bombs this year in minor league baseball. In minor league baseball. <laughs> yeah, he hit 22 in 99 games. He hit. Are you three so right now? What you're trying to do Miami. is prove other. No, no, no. Right? I'm just saying this guy. I think he packs a punch. He's six four, two fifty. It feels like he hits the ball a country mile. Obviously, he doesn't have Judge or Stanton pop. So you know what? I'm gonna wear it. That adjective should not be deployed unless it's for Judge, Stanton, Jordan, or anything hit over 116 miles an hour. Agreed. Uh, You said J.J. Bladé could hit 250 with 10 to 15 home runs. No, he can't. What do you think he can do? I think that's what he can do. He might make the bigs. That's a decent player. 250 with 15 home runs in Oakland? You think he's going to be that? As an average defender that can't run very well? Like, you don't think he's going to hit 250 it? with 10? Next year, do you think he's going to hit 250 to 10 to 15 home runs? No, that's hell no. Said. I'm saying that's like, what you said. That's, no, I, I'm thinking that's what he could be. I don't think he's going to do it, but J.J. Bladé is a guy that hit well over 300 and slugged 700 in college. Like He was the number four overall pick for a reason. Yeah. Granted, like that ship has fully sailed, but I saw a pure hitter that handled the Cape. I think it was like a 970 OPS out on the Cape. And if you handle the Cape when you're a college guy, that tells me a lot because the pitching is always ahead in the Cape and and hitting kind of comes around and matches about halfway through, maybe two thirds through. But Lede just hit the ground running out on the Cape. So I'm thinking, all right, this is a pure hitter that has some juice in the tank. I think right now, like the 90th percentile outcome from him is 250 with 15 homers. I disagree. Um, Next one. You said you don't have confidence in Julio Arias throwing 170 innings. Why? He doesn't like go deep in games, but that doesn't mean he threw 170 plus innings last year. Even if he doesn't go deep in games, he doesn't have this bad injury history. How many innings did he throw last year? Did he throw 175? 175, heavily protected, and he did not face adversity at a 216 ERA. So if he is any, he didn't face adversity because he's awesome. I think he's awesome as well. But if he runs into a bumpy start, did the Dodgers let him fight through that, or did the LA Dodgers in the LA Dodger way take him out after five? He's the ace. He's not going to have bumpy starts because he's one of the best pitchers in baseball and he should easily throw 170 innings. I think he might have some bumpy starts, man. He had 185 and two-thirds innings in 2021. He had 175 in 2022. I'm not like saying injury or anything. If anybody's going to throw 175 plus, it's Urias. But the Dodgers have shown a tendency to heavily protect their starting pitchers. And especially now with Bueller, their horse, going down with a second TJ, they may be scared shitless, and they may not let Arias get into the seventh or the eighth. Arias could be a nice swingman for the Dodgers next year. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> you said me thinks. It's bad grammar. I think it's a word, man. <laughs> I think it's a word. Me thinks. You're just making me get defensive right now. Yes. Uh, it seems to me. Me thinks. This is from Oxford. Um, it is used in archaic and humorous language. 
archaic. Uh, hold on. Am I am I not archaic and humorous? That kind of sounds like me. I didn't know. I'm just this is this is me criticizing you. Um, You're kind of a dick. <laughs> during during the podcast, you got a FaceTime and you didn't really ignore it. Um, pretty unprofessional, pretty archaic. Yeah, so I got to figure that out. I got to go to like <laughs> system preferences or something on my MacBook, and I got to figure out how to turn off FaceTimes coming through on my laptop. Because all of a sudden I hear off my laptop. And I'm like, well, my hands are tied right now. I don't know how to how to go about that. And the thing is, from calling games on radio and on TV, um, we've got something called talkback, which is like the producer talks in your headset. Obviously, it's not going over the air, but you watch the Super Bowl like Kevin Burkhart, Greg Olson. They're being spoken to by two or three different people the entire game. So I've done like games where I've got somebody spewing like over a thousand words in my ear over the course of two, three hours. Um, and, and I can usually get through that. Uh, but I don't know, for some reason, that one just threw me off yesterday. And I'm sorry for that. I expected more, but you'll, 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 you'll be better. Yeah. Um, and the last one, your positivity for the Rockies is really starting to annoy me. Um you said that they should get a D minus on the offseason because Brent Suter could be a reliever. And you also claimed it wasn't an F because it wasn't the A's offseason where they spent zero dollars. That doesn't make any sense. Both things can be an F. What Just because the A's didn't spend a dollar doesn't mean that the Rockies didn't fail miserably. So college coaches, college football and college basketball coaches, they typically save their expletive laden um pregame speeches for the big ones. Uh did you hear Kirby Smart's like leaked pre-national title speech? Yeah, just it was going the most off. it was and it was the most f-bomb laden thing ever. You hear a lot of these pregame speeches and you're like, "Oh, like that's just coach speak, who gives a shit?" And then you hear Kirby Smart do that and you're like, "Wow. Now I understand that he's a master motivator. He saves the bullets. My thing is I want to save the F bullets for when something is truly an F. So the Rockies, guest on Show and Go with Taylor Davis, they just paid Pierce Johnson $5 million, and they didn't do anything to deplete the roster, right? Jose Iglesias is gone. But Oakland, they spent, what, $0 until March, and they signed like a backup catcher, and they also traded Olsen and Chapman. But that's an F minus. Like you can give but them F an F minus without comparing exist, it to the dude. worst. It doesn't to exist. The worst offseason ever. Oh God! When we're talking, <laughs> what's the difference between an F plus and F and an F minus? F plus is what's an F plus? There's no such thing. You fail. An F plus is a fail. The they F failed. They fail. The they F failed. minus is a fail. Like it's all Just a failing grade. Own up and say you're too optimistic about the Rockies and give okay. them an F. I'm too optimistic about the Rockies. And is that going to change because Connor Joe isn't on the roster? Yeah, it's obviously going to change. But you know what? Chris Bryant's on the roster. They extended Ryan McMahon, which was a thing they did. They extended what? Uh, Freeland, right? Team USA. Team USA guy. Can we can we insert in post-production like the screech of a bald eagle right here? Team USA, Kyle Freeland. Um, yeah, like... I don't know. They're fun. Like they're going to sell tickets. If I've got five days this summer, I might just fall off the grid and go to five Rockies games. I don't know. Like it's, it's so much more enjoyable than Oakland out there. And, and it's not because of what's on the field. 
did you enjoy this roast session a couple days after your 25th birthday? Yeah, it was fine. I it's, it's whatever. Um, okay. It's tough because like I always promise myself I'm not going to get defensive. And here you are just asking me to get defensive for like 10 minutes. Happy birthday. Thanks, man. <laughs> Appreciate it. Love you lots. All right. Now roast me about Christian Javier being okay. really, really good. So Christian Javier just signed a five-year, $64 million pre-arb extension. He was heading into his first year of arbitration. He has three years of service time. So Javier this year is going to make $3 million. He's going to make seven in 2024, 10 in 2025, 21 in 2026, and 27 or in uh, 21 in 2027. So he hits the open market again ahead of his age 31 season in 2028. This was new GM Dana Brown's first move. Dana Brown was previously the director of scouting for the Atlanta Braves. Alex Anthopoulos is the head honcho in Atlanta. Dana Brown was previously in Toronto with Alex Anthopoulos. What does this deal feel like? <laughs> this deal feels like a Michael Harris extension. This deal feels like everything they do in Atlanta. And you tweeted it out perfectly. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Because this method is clearly working. When you see a guy with this level of potential, this level of talent, you lock him down early, similar to what the Mariners did with Julio Rodriguez. Now, Rodriguez is a different type of contract because Julio Rodriguez has MVPs in his future. Christian Javier could have a Cy Young in his future, but Julio Rodriguez is going to be over the $100 million threshold because he could potentially be one of the best players in baseball. But what they saw in Christian Javier was a no-hitter in the playoffs. What they saw from Christian Javier was a fastball that may only come in at 95, but it looks 100 because of the vertical movement on it, giving it that rising effect, which the best hitters in baseball seem that they have no shot of connecting with it. The slider is one of the better sliders in Major League Baseball. That's where I, and I still think about this take to this day because it was just the biggest whiff I think of my career because I just didn't see this coming. I didn't see a guy who relies mostly on two pitches who was throwing 93 in the bullpen to be able to transition to the rotation this well. But not only did he transition to the rotation, he became one of the best pitchers in the American League and was dominating at every level. They had Justin Verlander. They had Framber Valdez. And you can make the argument that the best pitcher in the postseason for them was that swingman guy. But it's disrespectful to call him a swingman now. So five years, $64 million, great deal for the Ashos, great deal for Christian Javier. And now he finds a home where he's going to dominate for the next half decade. Yeah, so Javier, you're right. He's a two-pitch guy. But what is the conversation in Major League Baseball about pitch arsenals? What do we always say about a guy that has a well-performing pitch and he's only going to it about 30% of the time? Isn't it throw more? Throw your best best pitch more? So we're talking about a guy that throws 60% four-seam fastball and opponents are hitting a buck 83 against it. And 28% slider, opponents are hitting a buck 19 against it. If he gets to 50-50 and you're playing a guessing game all the time, good fucking night, dude. He started a no-hitter in the World Series. He is... uh, He's an anomaly, right? He, He is an exception to the rule. But the reason I love the pre-arb extension here is because you are paying him through his 20s and his age 30 season. 
the most he'll make is $21 million. So let's let's do some classic addition, right? It was uh, five years or classic division. Five years, 64 mil. 64 divided by five equals 12.8. Here's a list of pitchers that are making more than $12.8 million. Uh, Carlos Carrasco, Ryan Presley, Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, how about John Gray, Luis Severino, Herman Marquez, Kenley Jansen on his new deal. Rysel Iglesias, Miles Michaelis, Nate Yavaldi, Taiwan Walker, an old Adam Wainwright, an old Lance Lynn, Chris Bassett, Edwin Diaz, Martin Perez, Hyunjin Ryu, Robbie Ray, Madison Bumgarner, Patrick Corbin. I know that you're buying out some arbitration years, but the most he'll make is $21 million. And that is a year that he would have been on the open market. 21 mil is still less than Bumgarner and Corbin. And how about Marcus Stroman? And how about Steven Strasburg, right? Like you're buying a guy whose worst case scenario is he is a lights out swingman. That's absolutely worth 64 That's, million over yeah, five years. That, and it's so funny. That is the worst case scenario. Of course, you could say injury. And just to wrap a bow on this entire thing, I see a lot of uh, stuff on social media about the fact that because the Dominican Republic lineup in the World Baseball Classic is so loaded and it's like, well, their weakness is they don't have pitching. Have you seen their pitching? Sandy, Framber, Christian Javier? I think to myself, yeah, are you saying have pitching? Are they saying the weakness is like no Luis Castillo? Because their four-man rotation is going to be Sander, Sandy, Framber, Javier, and Johnny Cueto probably, right? Uh, maybe Johnny Quaid is more of the five. I got to look back at the roster, but they have no weaknesses. Christian Javier, his fastball has no weaknesses. His breaking ball has no weaknesses. And the Astros continue to make the smart move every step of the way. So when our top 30 starting pitcher list comes out, he's on it. Oh yeah. And he's on my top 100 and like kind of high. He's relatively high on that top 30 starting pitcher list too. Yeah. Javier... 25 years old. He's got 54 innings under his belt in 2020, 100 innings under his belt in 2021, and nearly 150 innings under his belt in 2022. And this is a guy that is not missed because of injury. Um, I think the only starting pitcher to have a stint on the IL this year for the Houston Astros, not named Lance McCullers, because obviously that was unique, was Sir, uh, Sherlander with the calf thing at the end of the year, right? Um Javier was being guarded. He was being protected. If we get a truly unleashed Javier for 170, 180 innings this year, he could absolutely finish top five, top six in Cy Young voting. There's no question in my mind he's one of the better pitchers in the American League. And we're going to talk about fantasy pitchers on Wednesday's episode with our guy Colby Olson. But this episode, we're talking hitting. So we had to cover the great Christian Javier. But now let's welcome on Clay Snowden to give us a primer for fantasy baseball hitters in 2023. Clay Snowden noted what Cincinnati Reds truther, Ellie De La Cruz, uh, Spencer Steer, all that jazz. Also one of the co-hosts of Just Fantasy Baseball, the new Fantasy Baseball-centered podcast. Actually, uh, what is Just Fantasy Baseball about? Is it about something else? It is about fantasy baseball, believe it or not. That's awesome. All right. So first question for you, what is fantasy baseball? Fantasy baseball <laughs> is this ridiculous thing that we all convince ourselves that we're good at each year where we select teams. And it's more or less an online version of playing with toys. Really, you just 
put these people together. You make you make your little team, and my wife cannot wrap wrap her mind around it. She thinks it's absurd that we all like talk about these little fake teams that we make. Well, because you just ooze masculinity, Clay. All right, <laughs> now time for the actual introduction. This is Clay Snowden, one of the hosts, along with Colby Olson of the Just Fantasy Baseball Show, the newest fantasy baseball podcast on Just Baseball. Clay dominates a lot of leagues that he's in. He plays a lot of fantasy baseball. And what Clay does on Sundays is unparalleled. And we had Clay on to talk about bad baseball. Was that 2022? I think that was like August, 2022. And you said you reserve your Sundays. You'll do whatever marital duties you have to do, right? If you guys are going to go retail shopping on Saturday, that's fine. Your Sundays belong to you, particularly during baseball season. So you can sit there and watch A's Rockies in Oakland and you got to see how Chad Pinder's doing because you might swoop in and file a waiver claim for him for that next week of fantasy baseball right and that sounds like a joke to you but I (laughs) I remember this extremely well watching an A's game on a Sunday where Cole Irvin got like 32 points in a points league I was in to win and it's stuff like that it's the same as fantasy football for a lot of you people that or sickos and watch it all day Sunday, hoping for this one running back to get three extra yards. It's the same thing with me in baseball. Clay and I, we really get along uh, for multiple reasons, but two of my favorite reasons, we're both Spencer Steer truthers because Clay and I know ball. Number two, I will also be watching that A's Rockies game because (laughs) I will maybe have the first five under on it. And we get to pick apart the game in different ways. I'm looking for value. Clay's looking for individual players to make his team better and he came out with a catcher's ranking first base ranking second base ranking all those will be available on justbaseball.com as well as you'll hear them on the just fantasy show and i want to ask you about the catcher's position because we just talked about christian javier how i didn't really like him and then he threw a no hitter in the uh world series and that's one of my worst takes ever last year colby and i were going through a lot of the fantasy baseball rankings and i was really high on dalton varsho and that ended up being one of my better takes I want to know from the catching position, who could be that next Dalton Varsho? Because Jack and I were also talking, fantasy baseball for me has kind of taken a backseat since I've been much more college baseball, much more gambling, much more just MLB focused. So I want to know going into my league, who could be that next catcher that not enough people are looking at that you think could fill a lot of different categories? So there's a lot of catchers with rookie eligibility this year heading in that I think are going to get a ton of playing time. Maybe not right off the bat, as we all know how it typically takes a month or two for these guys to get called up. And um, But the one thing that I tend to do in fantasy baseball is not necessarily target a lot of prospects in the beginning. And the reason why is it just seems like everyone wants to be the first guy on that prospect, right? And they want to jump out and get him and acquire him first so that they can tell their friends, oh, that's my know. problem. We yeah, do that all the time. I was on this I guy before it. anyone else. Yeah. So I target a lot of second year players and a guy who we had in our top 10. And it's a name that everyone knows is MJ Melendez with um, with the Royals. And he's just a guy who can kill the baseball, a, a, a really good athlete too. played some outfield last year as well. Going to get a ton of at bats in a Kansas City lineup that. You may not think much of, but that offense, they have a lot of young talent and they could really click and and you can get some good value if you don't want to spend kind of the super high draft picks on some of the top catchers. 
So fantasy baseball, the scoring system is for for probably a, a decent chunk of who listens to this show, maybe a bit antiquated, right? Because we're looking at batting average, home runs, runs scored, RBIs or no RBIs? RBIs, stolen bases, like those are the numbers to measure hitter success, right? So the top 10 catchers and the top 10 fantasy baseball catchers are probably different lists because Sean Murphy's not going to go as high because he's got a low batting average. And there are probably really crappy defenders that are going to hit more nukes than him. I would love to have Jonah Heim on my team. I don't want him on my fantasy team, right? Yeah, and it's... Going back to scoring, there's also a popular kind of a points, which is, again, kind of like how fantasy football is. One outcome that happens gives you X amount of points. That's an, an another way to play, and some people prefer that way. But when you look at them, they're pretty even at the end of the year. Um, a lot. The fun thing about the points is strikeouts are negative. Oh, it's like cool. some players, that's where the value really drops off. So like Barton Zanino, you're not touching. No, like okay. Suarez, right? Great third baseman, hits all these home runs, strikes out so much that in a points league, he's not all that valuable. Okay. Um, so but the top the the top ten lists are usually it's pretty close. It's not like drastic. You know, the number one guy fantasy baseball isn't going to be the number thirteen guy, right? Right. So I'm patting myself on the back again. Something yeah. I love to do. Um, I was it. really low on Yasmani Grandal. As a guy who I didn't think you should draft in fantasy baseball last year. That's sick, year. dude. Tell me more. Up, yeah, as he ended up being pretty bad. Great job, me. Props to me. <laughs> awesome job, Peter. Clay, who is someone like a Yasmani Grandal who is maybe ranked pretty high, but you're avoiding in drafts? So Wilson Contreras is a guy who's done really, really well throughout his career. And he's a guy I'm a little bit he- hesitant of going into this year. I'm not like avoiding him in all my drafts grandal would be a player i'd be avoiding in all of my drafts but Contreras, i could see him just taking a tick back being in a new stadium and a new team um that's one player at the catcher position that i'm not going to be jumping out to go get or drafting him early worried about someone else snatching him i totally agree with that one and it's not that i think that wilson Contreras will have a down year with st louis but we've just seen like history repeats itself right Guys go over to new teams, and sometimes it just takes a little bit of time to adjust. We saw Matt Olson come over to the Braves and didn't hit the ground running. Nick Cassianos, another example of that. Guys who hit really well and sometimes just need a little bit of time to adjust. I could see Wilson Contreras being a guy who maybe starts out slow and an owner kind of gets spoiled with him. And then you go attack him and say, he just needed some time to settle in. Now's the time to trade for him. But I think what you're saying is, you're not viewing Wilson Contreras as that top three guy that you have to go draft. Maybe he's a guy you let someone go to other, someone else, but keep him on your watch list because then he could explode in the second half once right. he gets settled. Right. And Peter, that's exactly what I was going to say is targeting certain players who get ownership fatigue early. So last year, Marcus Simeon was a player who was so, so, so bad. And I actually picked him up because somebody just – Flat out released him. They just dropped him. That's how frustrated they were with him. And that's where you could find value is if you believe in a certain player and he's just not playing that well. Or if you look at the metrics, the batted ball data, and it's showing he could turn this around. Those are the type of players that you can really steal for next to nothing. Because 
as an owner, you get so frustrated that I drafted this player pretty high and he's not performing and you have to look at him in your lineup every day. And a lot of times it's, I just want this guy off my team. Like I know he could be better, but like, I'm just tired of it. And those are the type of players that you can find post-draft value of proven players if they're slumping, but they have the track record to back them up. Yeah. That sounds exactly like my Hollywood Brown conundrum in football. Like I, I, I'm willing to like Venmo somebody in my league $5 every year. And it's like, make sure if I say that I want to take Hollywood Brown, you say, Jack, get your head out of your ass. You're not doing it. So I, I'm sure there are some guys like that. Oh, absolutely. At first base, um, I gave myself props, time to tear myself down. I was really high on Jared Walsh last year. That wasn't good. That was just no. bad. I mean, that was just bad. I even had him over Jose Abreu. What am I thinking? What am I thinking, Clay? So the first pay, first base position, who is a guy that maybe you're a little bit scared of that you're that high on him? Because I went into the draft last year when I was talking with Colby, and he was like, how could you possibly take Walsh over Abreu when Abreu has been there, done that, he's going to give you 30 and 100 every year with a high batting average when you're more relying on the upside of Jared Walsh. So who's a guy in the first base position that you feel really strongly about, but you have some reservations? Um, Probably Reese Hoskins is a player that I always like. And he's he's steady, but he's steady at the end of the year numbers. So if you look at his rolling stats, it's going to go up, down, up, down, because he's the streakiest player. It's it's art to see his graph throughout the year of highs and lows. But at the end of the year, he's putting up about a 120 WRC plus with some pop. That's a player that you can get in later rounds, not super late rounds, but, you know, he's seventh, eighth, ninth first baseman off the board. Yeah. And you know he's going to give you 25, 30 bombs. He's going to hit well enough to stay in your lineup. The question in the past has been there's been some injury and if you can just ride out those cold streaks because sometimes he'll win your week for you when the rest of your team's slumping and other times he's going to be the reason that you lose. But at the end of the year, it all tends to work out. Something that I'm really struggling with is ranking the top four first baseman um, in my top 100 and I assume it's pretty hard in fantasy baseball because all these guys are so freaking close whether that be Pete Alonso, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Freddie Freeman and Paul Goldschmidt who is the first first baseman off the board for you I don't mean to steal content definitely go listen to that episode on the just fantasy baseball show but I have to hear it from your brain like you have to pick one who's the one just say what team they play on you don't have to say their name we won't know so it's it's Vlad, right? He has the Damn most, it, dude. <laughs> he has the most pop, right? And he he has the ability if he can avoid the ground balls, which have been a big issue last year. If he can just find a way to tap back into that 2021 self, then you know he's has incredible upside. Freddie Freeman's the guy that I'm targeting. This guy is so steady. Yeah, I I think the last time he had a WRC plus under 140 was like 2012. He's going to be 40% better than league average every year. And that's a guarantee. And in a really strong lineup like the Dodgers, he's going to have RBIs. He's going to have runs. It's kind of funny how we talk about RBIs, like only in fantasy baseball. But if you talk about it in any other sense, like you're some old head, like get with the times, man. We only do expected stats here. But RBIs in fantasy baseball, buddy, I'm ready to talk about them. 
So here, here's my thing. I think that Alonso is really close to that Vladdy Freeman stratosphere in fantasy baseball because of the RBI numbers. And, and Alonso is one of those guys that turns me 60 during the season, right? They turns me into an old man because I look at Pete Alonso and, you know, some of like the war numbers may not favor him in place of some other first baseman, but you know what? WRC plus is always going to be high because he doesn't punch out that much. He walks just enough. He hits the crap out of the ball, whether it's 118 on the ground or 118 that sings off the wall in left center as a right-handed bat. But Alonzo is the best run producer in baseball, in my opinion. So Alonzo, like, is he right after Freddie and Vlad or is there that drop off? And then I have another really loaded question for you. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, when, when you talk about first base specifically, the top four or five guys, you can kind of shuffle them around. It all just kind of, I would rather do like tiers for this type of discussion. Like they're yeah. all in that same tier. S tier. Yeah. I just learned S is better than A, which is weird. It is weird. I learned that recently as well as someone who's <laughs> almost 30 years old. I, I, I think I don't have to learn that stuff anymore. Like I'm getting to that age where I can just pretend to avoid it. But <laughs> Alonzo, yeah, his K rate has dropped every single year. He's going to put up a bunch of home runs. He's in a great lineup. And that's something we talk about a lot in fantasy baseball is lineup. Because you want to be in a position to get RBIs. Josh Bell was awesome last year with Washington. But how many times do you hit a nobody on, you know, two outs, you get a double. Like, cool, if you're in a points league, cool, you just got two points. If you're not, like, you help the average, but there's he's not getting, you know, hit in. He's not getting the runs. He's not getting the RBIs. So the lineup's huge, and where you actually bat in that lineup is another big part of the equation. Yeah, 100%. All right, really, really loaded question. How do you feel about Nathaniel Lowe? Ooh, he is a tough one to read. Right? <laughs> it's so hard. And I, I hate to be like gut guy, you know, like, oh, just go off your gut. I'm yeah. in on him just no, off my gut. You like, played four major really... league seasons. Yeah, and you're you're talking to a guy who only analyzes off gut. Off yeah. Gut, yeah. Talk, talk so through long. your gonads, Chief. <laughs> Let's hear it. <laughs> he's an interesting player because he hit so well last year, but I don't think he's going to hit around 300 this year, right? I don't see him as that type of a player, but I still see him as a high upside player with pop. Um, faster than a lot of first basemen might be able to steal you a bag or two here and, and, you know, steal you a, an extra run on a gap or, and he scores from second base or um, I like him a lot. I was really struggling on where to put him in the top 10 because is he going to be somebody who can hit near 300 or is he going to be more of a 255, 265 type hitter? Right. I, I think he's a 265 type guy, yeah. which he was in 2021, but Again, that was his first full season, and his second full season, he hit 300 and won a silver slugger. He had 25 doubles, 27 bombs. And the thing about Lowe that makes him uh, really enticing for fantasy owners, I think, especially when it comes to draft day, is he's played 157 games in back-to-back seasons. He's always on the field. Availability, really important here. So I'm really curious to see like your center field rankings what the hell are you going to do with buxton and Luis robert right because they're not available they can't help you on a week-to-week basis yeah and that's something that you have to consider in fantasy is the injury prone type players and it depends also on your il slots so most leagues have 
probably three IL spots. My league did four this year because of so many injuries. Players like Tatis last year, where do you select him? Because at the end of the day, you're building your team for the playoff run. So if you are willing to take Tatis and have him on your bench, and again, it all comes down to owner fatigue. Like at some point you say, oh my gosh, man, this guy Tatis has been on my IL for four months. And I have someone that need. I have to now drop a player or drop Tatis. And I had that exact situation last year. And I kept Tatis and look at me now, like did not work out for me. But that's what you have to do with the injured players is determine where to take them. And that's why I don't take Jacob DeGrom in the first round. And it's not because I'm afraid of it. It's just, okay, worst case scenario for Jacob DeGrom over the past two years is he doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. Right. Why not take Corbin Burns or somebody who I know will at least give me something? The upside's not the same. But when you're selecting that high, I'd rather go for more of a sure thing than an injury prone type player. But it all just depends on your strategy. Yeah. I have a loaded question. Moving on to second base. What do you think about Glaber Torres? Glaber Torres is a guy I, I actually like. Okay. And if you look at the batted ball data, no ball. Look at the batted ball data, man. He's a good player. That's what and I'm he saying. Got, he got a, he got kind of got the shaft in 2021, and there was all this rumor of is he going to be a Yankee long term? He was in every single trade proposal that did not involve Clint Frazier at the time, or Miguel yeah, Andujar, or you know the Clark Clark Schmidt, or whoever the current Yankee is that everyone seems to want. And he's a player now that bounced back in a big way last year. I don't think. Peter showing his is, is it a rookie card? What is this? I don't know cards, but it's a glaber. It's great. Got it for me as a gift. It's a ten. It's just a glaber Torres card. Just, Peter is showing a picture of a man doing his job. Yeah. That's exactly what a card is. <laughs> um, um, so might I say I didn't peg Aram as a gift guy at all. Like he doesn't scream gift guy whatsoever. He brought it back for me, and I feel very I feel very privileged. That's and so sweet. And but should Glaber Torres like where is Glaber Torres being drafted? Um, because you might be higher on him than the ADP, right? The average draft yeah. position. Like, is he a guy who you think could sneak in potentially to a top five second baseman? Because we talked about injuries, right? Like, Atel Marte, if he plays, is could you know unleash a top three season. Andres Jimenez is a top five second baseman i don't think there's any doubt about it because of what he adds on the defensive side but that doesn't help you in fantasy baseball right, right. like glaber torres with the bat could you see him sneaking into the top five or do you think more top 10 is is more likely for him so second base colby and i just fi- finished up that episode last week and that is a position that we just kept finding ourselves saying like this guy doesn't do much this guy doesn't do much this guy doesn't do much and what that really means is again back to your draft strategy there's going to be players whose ADP does not match where they're drafted at all because people are thinking the same way that you're thinking, Peter, where it's, okay, this is a weak position. I don't want to go out and spend top 50 picks on certain second basemen. I'd rather select someone like Glaber three rounds earlier than he's projected. And that's what you got to think of is where are these guys going to actually be drafted? And, and that's when you have to just know who's in your league. And if no one likes Glaber Torres, you might be able to wait. Personally, for second base this year, my strategy is take two guys at the end of the draft 
Yeah. Take a a Bryson Stott, a guy who I think has upside, had a big second half last year, could explode. And then the second spot, I'm just going to draft somebody that's going to be on and in and out of my lineup, on and off my roster. I'm picking up Brendan Rodgers every single time he's playing at home. Yeah. And I'll just drop him and pick up somebody else, ride the hot hand, play the waiver wire, find that rookie that people don't know every single year. Adolis Garcia, those type of players pop up that no one thought about drafting. They explode. They do well. If you can get in on those, and that's how you get in on them, is playing the waiver wire frequently. Second base being not a huge offensive position for me. I want that to be the weakest spot in my lineup so that I can spend high draft picks on more impact players. Unless you spend a high draft pick on a guy that has second base eligibility. And that is something that goes unheralded goes like unnoticed in fantasy baseball i'd say because i had guys that like didn't sniff that position slotted in that position because for some reason they have eligibility there the best thing to happen to the second base pool is if mookie betts is listed as a second baseman right like all of a sudden you can slap him at second and just let him roll so maybe when you're looking at at that right like chris bryant probably get to go higher then he should because he'll be listed at third, left, right, DH, where first, yeah. like wherever. So versatility, I feel like, is best seen in the second base pool, right? In the, yeah, and the thing about being multi-positional eligible is not everyone says, okay, well, maybe I don't want player XYZ to be my starting second base, and that's not the point. The point is for those random Thursdays where half the teams are traveling and the other half is playing, yeah. you want to get as many bats in your lineup as possible. So Chris Taylor may be on your team because you can put him in multiple positions. Um, Christopher Morell is going to be a player that a lot of people are going to be drafting because he can just be on your bench. And on those days where you have a bunch of non-games going on, you know, these players without any games, you can slot them in wherever you need to to get extra stats in your lineup. So other guys that jump out to me in that in that conversation, Brendan Donovan, a, a guy that jumps out in that way, right? John Birdie, a, a guy yeah. that if he plays 110 games, could lead Major League Baseball in stolen bases. And that's a category. That's a category. Birdie jumps out as, as a guy that like, if you've got nothing, go grab John Birdie, right? Go grab, how about like a Brandon Drury or a Whit Merrifield? So I'm with you, man. Like there are a bunch of chameleons here. Yeah, absolutely. I want to ask you one more uh, question, second base, before I just have some questions that I'm genuinely interested in, because I know that you guys, you know, it's February 14th. You have more positions to go over, more episodes of the Just Fantasy Show, which I'm excited to listen to both on the YouTube Go subscribe, Just Fantasy Show on YouTube, as well as their podcast where you can listen on Spotify and Apple Podcasts again with Clay and Colby. You're Reds guy. Jonathan India had a really kind of like that sophomore slump, um, but he's just a guy that has way too much talent to stay down for long. And he also was dealing with injuries last year. Didn't feel like a lost season, just kind of like a come to earth moment after his incredible first year. I'm curious where he's being drafted and are you letting your red bias reds bias get in the way and drafting him really high or is he kind of going low in drafts and you feel totally comfortable going with him in maybe the middle rounds like drafting him well within the top 10. 
So I actually don't want to draft him. Um, and the the reason why is because I would rather take other players. Now, th- this is no inside information. I could be completely wrong. I think India could see time in the outfield. So if that is the case, he could, you know, pick up some eligibility in the outfield. I don't know if it'll necessarily happen this year, maybe more. But doesn't that make him a more valuable player in fantasy? It would if he could impact the baseball more. Um, (laughs) That's the issue I see with him is pretty much all of his stats were going down last year. His hard hit rate um, really dropped. His barrel rate was cut in half. And I know he was dealing with injuries and I think he'll be a better player. I think the player that we saw rookie year, Jonathan India, is not the standard Jonathan India that we should be expecting going forward. Now, I think he's better than last year. I think he's somewhere in between there, maybe a two and a half, three and a half war type player. Um, it, it It's not a good lineup, which means two things. He's going to be batting high, probably lead off. That's good because you're going to get a ton of at-bats. The bad news is, well... How many runs is he going to get? He's a guy who was pretty, he rated out pretty fast his rookie year. Injuries slowed him down last year, but the Reds don't run. So he's not going to be stealing you bases. Maybe he gets to 20 home runs playing in Great American Ballpark. I don't know. Like a lot has to go right for him to be a a really good fantasy player. And I just have my questions about that. So to me, like I said, at second base, I'm just waiting, and I'm taking Bryson Stott. I'm taking, you know, these flyer guys. I'm filtering in and out until one sticks. And India will get drafted by somebody, and they'll probably hold on to him. So I don't see him as somebody who fits in that category. See, Jack, that's why I'm happy to have Clay on, because I'm the type of fantasy owner that would listen to the Just Baseball show and would draft uh, Terang with the Brewers. Yeah, because he's then, like, defensively he excellent. Year. Exactly. Yeah. And then like, forget that. Yeah. We think of him so highly as a player next year, but based on the minor leagues and like, he may not even come close to Bryson Stott, but Bryson Stott almost seems boring because we already saw him, even though next year he could go nuclear. So that's why I lose in leagues. Cause I'll try and be smart and get Terang instead of just take Bryson Stott. And he's going to hit well, and he's going to win your, your league instead of seem smart during the draft and then finish sixth. That That's what I was talking about. Take the second year players, bet on those players who have experience, who have gone through all of their first in the MLB, have a full off season ready to go. A lot of times what we see is players, especially rook, rookies hit that wall. Yeah. June, July, August, they start slumping a little, a little bit. It starts going downhill for them. And you got to wonder, are they getting tired, right? Like, what's happening with them? They're not used to playing this long of a schedule. So it's stuff like that that you got to factor in as well. Did you notice, Clay, that Peter just dropped a George Bush nuclear on us instead of nuclear? I did not catch that. Yeah, I caught it. That's why Jack is a dickhead. I Uh, am a dickhead. Let's move. I have a couple questions. A couple questions. Um, Where the hell do you draft Bryce Harper? Because Bryce Harper is a guy who's going to miss a chunk of the season. He's mostly DH eligible. But when he's on the field, he might be the best left-handed hitter in the sport. Right. So, And he's obviously going to add a bunch of value in every single category because yeah. he's one of the best hitters in Major League Baseball. Like, where is he being drafted? Are you staying away from him? Are you trying your hardest to scoop him up maybe later in the draft? Is he even going later in the draft? What is his, the Bryce Harper experience in fantasy baseball? His ETA is like all-star break. Yeah. yeah. I just, what do you do with him? And those are the type of players also. It's not, 
you know, we're not playing the show here. He doesn't come back August 1st or whatever and is automatically Bryce Harper once again, right? 95 so overall, yeah, that's not him? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> With a player like that, it's so hard to say. Like, some people will draft him really high and just say, I'll wait on it. And then other leagues, he'll drop to, you know, 100 overall or whatever. I don't know. With me personally, I would draft him. But again, it all breaks down to the rest of your roster. If I have a bunch of players that are not injury prone, I'm going to take a big swing on an injury prone type player as long as it fits my roster. I'm not doing it in the first or second round, but I, w- I would take a Bryce Harper if the rest of my roster is, you know, guys with a track record of being healthy and guys with the track r- record of producing, then yeah, that's where you take the swing is on Bryce Harper. But it is risky, and I know a lot of people would rather just stay away from it, which is where you find value in getting him later than he should. Yeah, I, I just pulled up fantasy pros, like just for, for a database, right? Like I want to look at one through 50 in the DH category, and as DHs go, Bryce is 28th right now. He's behind Kirk, Mountcastle, Vaughn, Max Muncy, and then it's Harper, and then he's right before MJ Melendez, Sean Murphy, who's got DH eligibility, Josh Bell, William Contreras, Jose Miranda. Like, obviously, that's not where Bryce Harper is, but a half season of Bryce Harper might be there compared to a full season of everybody else. And I do want to make a comment about injury and how to kind of use your IL. The way I like to do it is I like to draft somebody who is injured like a Bryce Harper, keep him on there forever keep two spots to rotate for whoever my injured players are. And then what I like to do is target players that are going to help me down the line. So like Lance McCullers last year, about two months or about a month, month and a half out from when he started rehab starts, I picked him up, put him on your IL then, because if you're willing to wait now, if you get a bunch of injuries, you may have to release him, but your IL should be full at all times. There's no reasons why it shouldn't. So if you have no injured players, pick up a bunch of guys who could help you down the line and you can always just drop them, right? Unless you're in some type of weird transaction limited league, which don't play those leagues. That's not fun. Yeah. Um, fill up your IL with players who could help you. Worst case scenario is they, you know, don't come back like Tatis, but you will be a really smart player. If you're full IL and it comes down to September and you're able to activate one of those players for a playoff push. Yeah. I've got one last question. Um, obviously, we're not talking Danis- dynasty leagues right now. Like dynasty leagues, go listen to the call up if you want to locate the prospect in high A that you should be taking in your dynasty draft because those rosters just don't really change. If like that's actually true, if you want to play GM, like dynasty leagues are probably what you should be doing. We're talking one off, you're playing fantasy baseball for the 2023 season. If people are trying to get into it for the very first time, the main deterrent is, ah, shit, I got to set my lineup every day. To that, you say what? I say just make it a morning routine. Like, I wake up, it takes three to five minutes. You look at your lineup, who's playing, who's not. Drop somebody. Just You can literally do it as you brush your teeth in the morning like it it seems mentally like a huge task until you get in the routine and start doing it because i thought the same thing and i played 
for a few years. It then took two years off because I was like, oh my gosh, it's so much to keep up with. But what it also makes you do by playing it, it makes you a much smarter baseball mind because you're watching more baseball. You're following trends. You will find yourself reading stuff at justbaseball.com and you'll find yourself listening to these podcasts. The next thing you know, you're the psychopath that can name 1400 major league and MILB players. Yeah. And what kind of party tricks that Jack's always the life of the party. Cause he knows every triple a baseball player. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah, man. I mean, like that was my big thing. I stayed away this past year was my first year playing fantasy baseball and I loved it. It was a good time. And I had no money in the game at all. It was literally just for bragging rights. And it was fun because I'm watching this stuff already. I've had a lot of people tell me that they got into baseball by playing fantasy baseball. Like they got more into it. I know a lot of people that, you know, will will budget their entire Sunday to watch NFL football because they play fantasy football. If you want to get into baseball, fantasy baseball is a great avenue to do so. Two other things about it. Three, more ways to enjoy it. Draft players you like to watch. Yeah. I'm not going to draft some player I don't want to watch and just look at the stats at the end. It's not as fun. Like, you're not going to draft Kirk Cousins in your league because you don't want to watch Kirk Cousins yeah. play football. Every I drafted Sunday. Kirk Cousins and finished second to my fantasy football Kirk league. Cousins. And I blame him. I, I take Lamar. Spartan. I take Lamar every year because I love watching Lamar Jackson. The other thing that I think is find a league of people that are as competitive as you, even if they're not as smart as you just they keep up. Because the worst thing is you're playing somebody who hasn't updated their lineup in six weeks. Tatis is starting. He's on the 60-day. Like, that's not fun. And then the third piece is if you're just getting started, maybe a points league is for you. Head-to-head matchups each week. So each week you're playing your buddy. It ends on Sunday. You get a fresh slate. Category leagues, you can fall behind quickly, and you don't have that head-to-head type matchup in the same aspect. Like, you can still do head-to-head. but um Points league is easier for people, I think, to kind of grasp, understand, and appreciate when they're first getting started. Yeah, I have uh, one last question, and I assume on the Just Fantasy Show, you guys are going to talk about this at length, but I almost feel that you'll talk about underrated hitters rather than hitters you're not as high on because, you know, sometimes, you know, you only may have a few, but you have 15 to 20 guys who you think are underrated in drafts. I'm curious to end the podcast. Who is a player that everyone seems high on that you just have a weird feeling about? Because we talked about gut. Your gut feeling, you don't believe in this player as much as everybody. That doesn't necessarily mean, I think he's going to be bad. I think he's going to be no good. It's just, everyone has him as a third rounder. You're in the sixth. Everyone has him as a fifth rounder. You're in the eighth. A player like that, that you're just not quite as high on as the rest of the fantasy baseball community. JT Real Muto, catcher for the Phillies. And I'll tell you why. Jack will look this up, I'm sure, to fact check me. If you look at how, and of course, this is, you know, not the best data in the world. Look at his WRC plus year to year. It is either 105, 125, 105, 120. He goes back and forth almost every single year of his career, bouncing back and forth, back and forth. Now, a 105 is still good for a catcher. Don't get me wrong. I'm just thinking if I'm taking him as the first overall catcher in the league, do I really want to do that if I'm getting 
somebody who's kind of up and down. It's it's not the most scientific thing in the world, I know. But look at the past eight, seven, whatever many years. He goes up and down every single year. And last year he was up. This year he could be down. So he's right. There's a 20-point jump and drop each year. It's 107, 127, 107, 124, 108, 126. Like, it is mm. just back and forth, back and forth. And so much of why we consider JT a top, like the best catcher in baseball is because, yes, he's good offensively, but he's also great defensively, creates this all-around catcher. I'm of the thinking, if I'm playing fantasy baseball this year, Will Smith is catcher one. Yes? That's my catcher one, personally. Now, I think a lot of people would have JT as one. Will Smith is as consistent as it gets. He's in a phenomenal lineup with, I mean, the Phillies, I mean, they're a good yeah. lineup, right? But but like the Dodgers, it's protection on it's protection. Will Smith is not a focal point of that lineup right now. Yeah. Will Smith is so consistent. He's so good. His his kind of floor is like a 115, 120 WRC plus type hitter. I and love him. Playing offense right now, right? Like yeah. you're not playing defense in fantasy baseball. Yeah. So. so thank you so much, Clay, for hopping on. This is Clay Snowden. You can find him on Twitter at Clay underscore Snow, not the W, C-L-A-Y underscore S-N-O on Twitter. You can find all of his work on JustBaseball.com. But most importantly, subscribe to the Just Fantasy Show, whether that be on Spotify, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, as well as go check out the Just Fantasy Show YouTube. Uh, Jack's holding up a picture of Clay in his youth. As, as they like to say, but you're still pretty youthful, right, Clay? That was in 2019. It's it's probably time to update. I've never updated my Twitter photo. So he's got the I'll Louisville Batch polo from, from this actual video and make it my Twitter photo. That's what I'm talking about. Thanks so much, Clay, for hopping on again. Make sure you go subscribe. Those links are in the episode description. On Wednesday, Arm and I are talking to Colby Olsen about the pitching side of fantasy baseball. We hope you all enjoyed this hitting primer. Again, we mostly covered catcher, first base, second base, because that's the rankings they've done so far. We're still a couple of weeks out from drafts. They're going to have more episodes coming, more articles coming. Clay, thanks again for coming on, my friend. Thank you. Thank you.